0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Yeah. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette, EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337 706 706 We'll have about the same amount of interviews as we did yesterday. We're going to catch up with Stevie P at 915 and then our friend Craig Melonso at 935, and then after taking last week off with the NFL draft, the Kentucky Derby is Saturday. It is May, and it's the first Saturday in May, so the Kentucky Derby is Saturday. We'll get Mr. Tom's final thoughts. He's been kind of keeping us up to date on that as um, over the last five or six weeks, and so it, the, the big moment is about, to, is about to be here, and so we've got quite a few issues to discuss with him. So we'll do that around 10.35. Um, you know, you talk, that's the thing about – one of the things I like about sports is I love when the obvious doesn't happen. So the ironies that, I, that are – I just really appreciate them. You know, you know what I think about MVP awards. I think it's all silliness. So, you you got an MVP. You got a guy gets named the MVP. He's the MVP. In the first game, he doesn't play, and they went on the road. In the second game, he plays, and they get beat by eighty. I mean, <laughs> MVP. Give him a. Giving them watches and hugging and oh, it's just, it's 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 big stuff. Now, you know that that MVP stuff. It's big stuff. Um, I mean, me and a lot of people fell for it, but it's like it's amazing how in one game your perception of things can totally change. Like the Sixers. Looked like they were, obviously they hadn't done anything yet, but they looked like they were in the Catbird seat after that game one win in Boston without their MVP. Um, and now, after Tatum scores, what, about seven more points than I did? And they won by, you know, whatever. What did they win by, 40 or something like that? I mean, it was, it was, it was ugly. So now you're thinking, well, you know that with Embiid back, Horn's not going to be able to score and shoot like he did the first time. That That's just not going to be their game plan. He just did that because Embiid wasn't there. So can they figure out and get back in a rhythm quick enough to beat a, a Boston team whose coach is all mad and whose players apparently play with a lot of, you know, passion doesn't, and anger doesn't always lead to making a million three-point shots, but it kind of did for them. I mean, it's like the Celtics said, well, let's just beat the Golden State Warriors tonight. They shot like 50-something three-pointers. I mean, that's what they did. They're like, well, we're down 01 one Let's go beat a Golden State Warriors tonight. Okay. I mean, that's kind of what they did. But uh, we'll see. Again, I don't like overreacting. I always go back to... When, when something like this happens, especially early in a series, I always go back to that dreadful Monday. Was it called the Memorial Day Massacre? I think it was called like when the Lakers, they, they got beat by the Celtics. I mean, they I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the year. But I remember it was like game one of the, of the finals, and they played the Celtics, and they got just drubbed. And they ended up winning the series. So, getting beat really bad, especially on the other team's home court, is not good. It's never good, but it, it can be deceiving, just like thirty-five runs can be deceiving, and we'll get to that later. But um, you know, it, it. I don't. I don't really know what to characterize other than how to characterize that awful performance last night. But a Sixers, other than to say. It's gonna be interesting to see where they go from here, and I and you know me, I try to get me and as many of you that will listen to not be result oriented, and yet when a game happens like last night, you just wonder, like what's gonna happen here, like like how are they gonna counteract this? So we'll see, and it also makes you want. It also brings me back to. The Knicks in a similar situation won by six without the other teams, without a, a supposed one man teams one man being there, they won by six. The Lakers, the Celtics won by however many they won by, and the and the, and the Knicks won by six without Butler. So, any thoughts on that? Certainly, feel free. Uh, we'll we'll talk. I don't want to talk too much about the Astros because we're going to talk about it. With Stevie P in the next segment, but obviously on paper, they you know the Astros have some issues right now. They're they're down going back in the big picture. They're down three of their starting pitchers. Um, they're not they're not hitting swinging the bats at all right now. I mean, Dusty. I didn't hear this, but I saw someone said that Dusty said he's been trying to figure out a way to give Icky a day off because he's struggling so bad. But he he, he doesn't know who to play in right field. Well, just play anybody in right field. I mean, like, I I mean, he's not hitting, so he's not helping you. I understand he's a, an above-average defensive player, but – Expect yesterday was the perfect day. You had a ground ball pitcher pitching. Like, he shouldn't have played yesterday. He had a day off today. He could have had two days off. Like, they got to, I mean, he looks terrible at the plate right now.
2: Terrible. Like, just give him a day off. You know who they should pick up? It's me. My all-time favorite player, Preston Tucker. Preston Tucker. He is mashing in AAA for the Padres right now. 322 average. He's got six. I'll tell you this. He went to the Korean leagues for a few years and they taught him plate discipline and he's ready to come back. Give Kyle, let his brother play for him. So I did not know he was still playing. He sure is. And he's in the Padres minor league system. He's got an OPS of 1074 this season, hitting 322 with a 486 on base. He's got 16 walks and only 13 strikeouts. And I'm halfway joking, but I really mean it. He went to the Korean leagues for a couple of years. He played during the COVID years over there. So I kind of, that is Somewhat awesome because every once in a while, my daughter
1: Riley laughs about him. You know, you know, because of Icky, and when she sees him, she's like, "Oh, you remember Presson? How terrible he was!" And I, and I always say he
2: wasn't terrible; he
1: just wasn't good.
2: He's a good hitter who wasn't a great defender. And then when his bat struggled, he just didn't really have right. a spot.
1: Right. Well, I did not know he had a
2: couple of injuries. No, but he's he's swinging the bat as well as he ever has right now. And I'm and I really mean it. He went to Korea, and they taught him play discipline. He's How old is his cat? Like 32. Yeah, 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 that's what he's I was He's got 16 say. walks, 13 strikeouts in the minors this season when he was a guy who struck out a lot yes. when he was in the bigs. So, I'm actually interested to see now the Padres have a pretty good roster, so I don't know, but I think um I don't actually know if he's, you know, has any value to a team like the Astros, but um I I am hoping he gets another shot in the big leagues. He played well, the Braves minor league system last year, I think. He 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 played with
1: the Braves for a little bit. Um I doubt he's much better defensively. Uh, but he could maybe be a pinch hitter, and you know, every once in a while, could play right field to give his brother a day off. That would be that would be hilarious. I did not know
2: that. I'll buy the jersey the day it happens. That that he I, was always a favorite player. I've mentioned you have some random guys that I support, and oh, I Cameron no problem with that. is one of them in the NFL. Um, and so I'm hoping. Hey, look, there's a chance that both of my like favorite players that have kind of tailed off and had careers elsewhere could end up on the teams that I support if if a lot goes. I mean, right. I get. Preston Tucker, but where does this Cameron Brait stuff come from? I don't remember,
1: but um, like where did he even play college ball camp? Harvard? Oh, that's probably it. Harvard
2: Harvard,
1: yeah Jason Garrett went to Harvard,
2: Ryan Fitzpatrick?
1: No, not Jason. the guy who played the quarterback for the Saint yeah, that was Jason was it? Yeah, Harvard. I mean, I'd take Cameron Brait, but, but don't the Saints need – I don't know that they need a Cameron Brait as much as they need somebody who can beat a primary blocker and catch a little bit. Like, they need a blocking, yes, tight end,
2: a veteran do. who can block. Which is why Foster Moreau made a lot of sense, you know, when that whole situation was happening. Which could still happen. But I looked
1: at the a list last night. There's a lot more veteran free agent tight ends on the market than I think a lot of us realize. There's a like there's like ten of them. Like I'm not saying any of them are going to be all pros or anything, but there's you know legitimate, been in the league, knows know what they're doing, can block. I mean, there's a lot like like we said that the, that role, the Josh Hill role, it's a dime a dozen. I mean, you don't it it doesn't require. You're not necessarily trying to get, you know, Jimmy Graham in his prime, a uh, receiving guy. You you just need a guy who can block. That That's kind of a dime a dozen stuff. Wow. I did not – you never know when you wake up you're going to hear something you never – I did not know. that that No, that would be fun. I, I don't know if they could pull that off, but that would be fun. I, I like that. I don't think
2: he'd cost much. I will no, say that. No, I mean, like, how hard can it be to pick up some guy that was just in Korea? Yes. But I mean, really, the numbers when I look today, because I, I was like, man, I haven't checked on him. Well, he's actually—I mean, again, it's you know—he's played 15, 20 games, but he is hitting the ball very well. Starts. I season.
1: just don't know. Like I hadn't figured I like his mo, Dana Brown, but I hadn't figured him out yet. Like I don't know if he would fall for something like that. And you don't have to fall for it. I'm just saying the whole idea of bringing someone's brother over who's doing pretty well in AAA. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. He he. He comes off as weird to me in interviews. Have you heard any of his interviews? I love the fact he that he's introduced. from the Braves and that their philosophy is very similar to the Astros. But every time I hear him interview, he seems too cocky to be an Astro GM. I, I just, I don't know. Something about the way he interviews I don't like.
2: Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard much since he was back when he was introduced and stuff, some of those. But, um, you know, I guess those are a little bit more buttoned up and uh, prepared statements too. Yeah. So,
1: I don't know. I mean, he says stuff. That's, I guess that, you know. I guess you know we all get roll our eyes sometime when they, when all you get is what you perceive as cliches. And he doesn't always do that. Like he 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 makes pretty, you know. He says things like recently he said Diaz is the future catcher for the Astros. I don't know. I don't know yet what I think of that. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. He's got pop in his bat. There's no arguing that. But and, and and he has thrown out some runners of late, so there's you know his his arm potential. There's no arguing that. Um, but I don't know that I'm ready to say he's the Astros' future catcher. But look, that would be tremendous. Can you imagine you traded Miles Straw and got your future catcher and a and a, and a relief pitcher out of it? Who's had his moments. I mean, he's up and down, but he's had his moments. All right, we'll take a timeout and come back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: To footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Uh, the game hotline. We won't be calling now, but uh for later, 706-0111. Want, um you know, if you would like to get in again, we'll have some time in the ten o'clock segment and the ten fifteen segment. Um in the in the second hour, if you would like to talk NBA or any of this other uh, things going on in the world of sports. It is a Thursday. The Cajuns won in softball last night in Ruston. Um, and they will begin a three-game series tonight at home, Lamson Park, against ULM. But for now, we have a visit with our friend, Mr. Stevie P. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. What about you, Kevin? Well, I'm, you know, hanging in there. It's at the end of a school year. I normally get a little, the nerves get a little frazzled for me around this time. Like when we get into May to try to finish it up the school year and the Astros are kind of limping a little bit and we're going to get to that. But first I want to f- how many times in your perception do you think Babe Ruth pitched b- two games in, his e- in a two-game stretch that his ERA was 7.36? <laughs> I, just... I don't think that's ever happened, Cat. Well, so I it's... keep seeing these headlines that Shohei is in the – joined the Babe in another, uh, in another category. And Shohei's ERA in his last two games was, was 7.36. So I'm well, wondering, I c I just can't believe the babe ever had an ERA of seven point three six in a two game stretch.
3: And and that's you know, it's funny. I was I was you know, last night I was going through some statistics and like Wes Unsell, uh his uh freshman year at at Louisville averaged like thirty points and twenty rebounds per game. You know, it's like that's why I always say it's so you can't compare errors. And, and look, I get what you're saying. I mean, uh, it, it, uh, a 70 RA is just, I mean, you know, it's not good right now. Only over a two game stretch. So back when Babe Ruth was playing, you know, with a 70 RA, with a three ERA, then equal like a 70 RA now, probably so. So the better question is, and, and, and my answer is, no, I still don't think so. Did Babe Ruth ever average an ERA of three? over those stretches. You know, it's like I talk all the time, and I, I went on this rampage about, you know, Baltimore and, 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 and Pete Maveridge and people talking about, oh, uh, look, there's the, obviously those guys were great. They were fabulous. But in that era, and against Wes, West Unsell proves it because he played in that era. I mean, you had guys averaging 30, 35 points per game and, you know, 20, 25 rebounds like they were, you know, like it was going out of style. Bill Russell, all oh, of Bill Russell averaged 20 rebounds. Well, okay, but, you know, 15 guys averaged at least 15 rebounds. Uh, 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 Bob Gibson. Oh, well, Bob Gibson had a 1.12 ERA, and you know what? And then they lowered them out. Well, yeah, and that's fabulous. But also, you had like 20-something other guys that had an ERA up under 250 that year. So, it, it, like you said, you got to put everything under a filter. And like put, I always yes. say, it's all about the large
1: sample size. All right, so the Astros right now are obviously limping a little bit, you know, their offense is, is been terrible for about a week. Uh, they're down three starting pitchers and they're uh, the rotation that they hope is going to look like, you know, a couple months from now, we'll see how long any of these guys are out. And they're about to start a road trip in Seattle. Who's starting to play uh good baseball and, and, and have really good pitching. So, Did you know? I I didn't know this till today that Preston Tucker is back in baseball. He's playing AAA in the Padres organization and he's hitting the ball really well. I,
3: I did not know that. I also bet you didn't know that every team in Major League Baseball has a player. If you combine. Uh, their first name and last name, they had. The- you could find the letter in their first name and last name that spells Astro, except for one team,
4: the Astros.
1: Wait, wait, say that again. <laughs> on the roster, on the using the whole
3: roster. Yeah, the the uh, their twenty 25- five current twenty five man roster, the only team that that doesn't have every single player on their team. You know, first and last name that were, like, the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton. You know, you could find an A, you could find an S, you could find a T or O, but, you know, the Astros are the only team that doesn't have that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is, man, the things that, you know, when you wake up and you come for a show, like things you never thought you'd hear. You just did. Dawson gave me one earlier, and you just gave me another one. All right, so right now. What is your biggest concern moving forward? But it's 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 Jose Abreu. I mean, you
3: know, look, I haven't given up on him. You know, it's too early to start giving up on people. But the second month, it's not too early to start worrying about him. And it's not just this year. Jose Abreu was bad for the White Sox in uh, August and in September. He's not hitting the ball in the air. You know, it's like if you look at him, he looks old. You know, he's just that 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 kind of that swing that doesn't look fat. It just, it just looks old. And, you know, I, I was thinking last night, you know, and, and credit to your boy Luzdow, he wouldn't have done it either. But James Click would not have signed Jose Abreu to a three-year deal because those are analytics guys. You know, and analytics, you know, talks about, you know, uh, the, the, the plane to the swing and how often they hit the ball in the air. Those guys would not have assigned Jose Abreu to a three-year deal. I don't know that they would have signed them at all. But certainly not a three-year deal, you know, and and that's a guy I'm concerned about not only for this year, but you know, two years. I mean, they sign they signed that guy to you know a, a, a fifty-five, fifty-six, whatever billion-dollar deal over three years. That's a big, big time concern. And you know, at least when Yuli was playing there last year, and Yuli was very poor offensively uh, last year, anyway. But he gave me some defensively. A you doesn't give you that, and 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 pitching, you know, because of the injuries. I mean, we don't know the extent of the injuries of both Irki and the, and Garcia now. And then you got McCullers, who's always hurt. You know, all of a sudden, the Astros, who you know we were talking about in the off season, well, not too many teams, you know, w- would be able to just handle losing a a, a Cy young guy like Justin Burlander. And you know, here are the Astros, and you know, okay, well, it was nice having you here, but we don't need you anymore. Well, all of a sudden now that 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 Astro pitching depth that we thought they had so much of at the beginning of the year—it's starting to run a little thin.
1: Well, but yeah, but I, like I hear people say they didn't address pitching in the offseason, season. But like I said, what were they supposed to do? Sign it? They had seven starting pitchers. Who else in all of baseball has more than seven starting pitchers? Oh
3: no, I'm not looking back at it and saying they should have addressed pitching. I think they did the right thing. I'm just saying, you know, it just—you know—all of a sudden now with these injuries. And, and I'm still, you know, uh, hopeful that the injuries to Arquiti and, and Garcia, and to be honest with you, I'm not a doctor, but I'm worried a lot more about Garcia right now than I am about but I agree. Just because, yeah, yeah just but the, the injury itself. But, the, no, I'm not saying that he should have addressed pitching. and I think they did the right thing. I'm just concerned about it now because of all the injuries.
1: All right. So, of – now that we are, you know, about a week away from, well, we are a week away from when was round one uh, of the NFL draft, and, and you've heard and seen highlights and all of that, Who who what Saints pick do, do you feel better about now than you did when they drafted him over this past weekend? And which one do you feel worse about now than when they drafted him over the weekend?
3: Good question. I mean, you know, overall, I mean, you know how I felt about you know the 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 same draft. I didn't I didn't love it. Certainly didn't hate it. I thought they that they reached a little bit in the in the first uh, you know couple of rounds. I, I think the third round. I mean, you know, the, uh, the running back they got is, is just out a running back. You know, he's not not a receiver, uh, which I think they needed a receiving back out of the backfield. I don't think they should have drafted a a quarterback in the in the fourth round. <sighs> if if I would go with, with the guy that I feel probably the best about probably for need and because he brings some uh uh, uh some things to the table is the uh uh or oh, the big receiver Perry. What's his first name?
1: Uh AT Perry.
3: Yeah, AT Perry. But you know, uh he's a bigger guy which you know I I, I like uh, he brings some some he brings a little speed to the table. I, I just maybe because I'm, I'm I'm fixated now with the post up receivers and the fact that I think that the Saints needed a uh, a red zone type of receiver. Uh, that's the guy, that's the guy that I think I feel better about than what I did uh, it, it, because again I didn't hate any of them. It, you know it, it's a it's a situation to where you know it's not like oh boy that's an awful pick except for the quarterback. Isn't I'm not.
1: About him. I'm just not. Well, it's just you know, useless. But yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah. And, and, and you know, Breezy might be the guy. And again, I don't, it's not that I hate him now. I just look at it, you know, and he's a guy that has obviously had some injuries. Uh, he's a guy that came in at, to the collegiate level as, you know, one of these super recruits and, and whatnot. And he, it, it, you know, he certainly had some moments. And I know a lot of it had to do with the injuries and whatnot. But to me, kind of underachieved a little bit, and 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 I'm I'm still a guy that, you know, when you draft a guy in the first round and you still drafted him on talent, you know, you, you're talking about Breezy, and he's a guy that if people say, oh, he's a guy that could be a you know one of the steals, and he could be a you know multi-time All-Pro. Well, I hope that's the case, but the bottom line is that he fell that far because there are some concerns about him. So that's a guy that you know I I think that. Even though he's a first-round pick, I, again I don't hate him, and I'm hopeful that he can he can have a great career. I'm hoping that he can have a, a great 2023, but that's the guy that concerns me a little
1: bit. Well, I think he's got a top 15 skill set, but like you say, yeah. he's got to have it on the field. All right, one one more question. One of the things that I'm not a big proponent of is, and I try not to watch him as much, although you you can't hardly uh, totally avoid it. Is getting fooled by the highlight film. So when it comes to evaluating draft picks, which position do you think means the least when you watch all these college highlights? Quarterback, running back, receiver, or defensive player? Like which uh, one means the less? Do we get fooled by the most?
3: I think it it, it it's probably running back. You know, although you could say receiver. I could see somebody saying receiver because you know you got all you, you, you spread out the field all over the place and you know got a receiver running a run on a pattern and you know and, and maybe he might be against a zone and he just runs a simple route and he's wide open and the guy misses a a, a tackle and he kind of he's off to the races but you know r- running back you know, again it's the same thing they spread out guys all over the field now so if a running back breaks the first plane. He's kind of wide, you know, wide open. You got Texas playing against Akron, and you got the Texas offensive line, you know, averaging about three hundred and fifty pounds, going up against the Akron defensive line averaging two seventy. I mean, there's going to be whole, you know gaping holes kind of all over the place, and then there's going to be missed tackles out on the field and and whatnot. So I could see somebody saying receiver uh, that would make sense to me, but uh, I, I'd still go with running back.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I'm. I'm... I think both of you and a lot of people are really high on Miller, and I'm just – look, I hope he proves me wrong, but I, I'm not. I watch his watching a run a college running back's highlight film just doesn't do much for me, unless he's doing what I think is important for a running back, which is getting four yards on third and two.
3: Yeah, and, and like I said, I like him, and I'll tell you that when they, when they dropped it. I like him as a running back. But the Saints needed a a, a a back that could receive the ball out of the backfield and then he'd get back.
1: Well, I agree. Hopefully, he surprises. All right. So, I mean, again, if if Preston Tucker ends up with the Astros this year, we're going to remember this day for a long time.
3: Yes, uh, yes, we are. And if the Astros trade Mauricio Debon today, then they will have all every single one of their players will have Astro in their name. <laughs>
1: Okay. thanks, Steve. It's
3: <laughs> been your pleasure. <laughs> this is Footnotes on
0: the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Mr. Craig Malanson. How are you, sir?
4: Oh, I, I'm in just enjoying the day, and I don't know where Steve finds the time <laughs> or the inclination to find some of every player having Astro in their name. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> he,
1: he amazes me, but to be fair, you, you, I don't know that you've ever come up with something that off the wall, but you come up with some pretty behind-the-scenes stuff that I uh, fairly often as well, from a statistical standpoint, that amazes me as well.
4: Well, to your point, you know, Babe Ruth pitched eight games that went uh, 10 or more innings. And uh I think the, the, the most amount of runs he gave up in a game was five. He had two games that he pitched over 13 innings. I know it was a different era. That's why I like – uh, you, you can't really compare those two today's game to to 1916 well
1: again i was just trying to figure out what they meant like this like, the, he's done a babe ruth thing again i just don't think babe ruth ever had a 7.36 era over a two game stretch in his career so i i was just trying to clear that up in in my little mind all right so let me i, I think i know you well enough or at least uh to think that you like me are a little tired of hearing about the 35 runs that ULM gave up in a game last week.
4: Oh yeah, that I mean, that is an anomaly that you you, you can't take. You know, it's you just can't. Uh, it, it's not going to happen again. If it does, it, I mean, that's going to be crazy. I, I don't see. Uh, although I think the Cajuns can take all three games, I don't see. I don't see even giving up 20 runs. Uh, in a game against the Cajuns.
1: But, again, to me, that's not – I don't even know if that's the point. The point is, okay. is that you need a sweep. It doesn't matter if you score 600 runs in two of the games. If you lose the other one two to one, the whole weekend's a failure.
5: I agree, totally. So, agree,
1: totally. It doesn't, to it's just one out of three games.
4: It's – yes, you, you – you have to win all three yes there's
1: just you know so it's uh, i don't know i just think there's too much discussion on that but anyway all right so like where are you right now it it's it, it, this has been the strangest season it's like Every time you kind of think, uh-oh, this team is done, then they have a great victory or a great performance. And even last week, they ended up losing two out of three, but they played – I thought they outplayed Koso. It just – you know, the game just didn't shine on them on, on this, in that Sunday game. And so – and then every time you think they're really clicking, you know, they go to James Madison and get swept. So you don't know what to think. So, like, where are you right now, three series to go?
4: Well, I, I thought the Coastal series uh, giving up, uh, taking out one inning where Coastal scored the seven runs, I, I thought it was the base, best baseball that the Cajuns have played all season, quite honestly. even, even um, And Christie's performances the, the, uh, against LSU and against Coastal were just phenomenal, and we need that David Christie to continue uh, pitching well. I honestly don't know. I think it's, I think it's a good time for a break with exams, and I also think it's a good time to be playing ULM without getting too cocky.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I agree with that. Are or, or certainly a team that's you know towards the bottom, but again, they're going to need to. Um, I mean, it's it seems like. Because they've had some blow ups this year, even if they're up like I don't know, I'm just throwing out an like eight to two in the eighth inning or something, I, I don't know that they're gonna they're gonna feel comfortable to rest pitchers because they've had some where the pitch the bullpen just kinda let them down late in the game. But is it important right now to rest or no? Uh I think it's
4: important right now to find pitchers with uh Jay Cameron being hurt uh Cooper Rawls being sore Dylan toy probably out for the season I think you're going to need to find uh some pitching and if that means resting uh, a David Christie or uh, a nazoo I think you have to find somebody this weekend that can give you in- innings going forward
1: okay we brought we brought up cash last week like who else could be in that category?
4: uh, I'm trying to think. I I don't know where Tommy Ray's been, you know, um, and and what's going on there. I'm assuming it's 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 the inability to throw strikes right now. Right. Uh, uh, Blake Marshall needs will have to take a bigger role, and he kind of did that this weekend. Uh, I think he was in two games. Um, I'm trying to uh, JT Etheridge. there's a couple guys that can step up and need to step up big time.
1: I mean, I think Tommy Ray would be that guy because going into the season, like he was one of the people in conversation to maybe, you know, be a starting pitcher, but he just hadn't got it done. And they brought him in in one outing uh, recently was that over the weekend and, and, and he and he like hit a batter and walked a batter and you're like, Oh no, it just, you know, I, it's gotta be difficult when you hardly ever get an opportunity to be consistent. And yet, Part of seizing the opportunity is when you do get it, you got to be able to perform, and, and, and he hasn't been able to to ever give him an outing that gives him something to really hang on to.
4: Yeah, Tommy reminds me a lot of uh, Reagan Bazaar when Reagan was here. The, you know, ha- has talent and, and can throw the ball well, but he, he's got to find the strike zone to be successful. And I don't know that Coach Steggs, or Coach Tibb has confidence in him now uh, if he does walk somebody or hit somebody. And I don't think we can afford to wait four or five batters if he walks or hits the first couple guys.
1: No, I don't think they're in that. The other thing that can be a little tricky is I was surprised. I understand some teams you kind of are what you are. And and obviously, Coastal has scored a ton of runs this year, and why wouldn't they be confident in their ability to swing the bat because they swing it so well? But when they face a Blake Marshall, like and, and he's a guy who has had a lot of trouble throwing strikes at times. I was shocked at how often they swung against him, and I think that led to him having a pretty good, uh, really good outing. I thought over the weekend.
4: Well, I think it it's all confidence on their end and they're they're not gonna back down and I don't think they're gonna change their game. Uh, you know they lost it you know you talk about us and and our ups and downs. Uh, Tuesday night they go out and lay an egg against uh, Charlotte in their home uh, stadium. so but I, I think their approach is gonna to be their approach and and they're not gonna they're not gonna look for anything different and their coaches probably told them these guys do have command problems, go out and and jump on them early in the count and and crush their will.
1: We, the players certainly can't look past this trip to ULM over the next three days, but we as media members or fans or wherever we classify all of us, um, we can do that. So I think one of the teams that, I, I still don't have a firm grip on, and the Cajuns will be playing them next week. It's Texas State. Like, have you figured that team out yet?
4: No, they're really uh, – they're not a Texas State team that, that we've seen in, in the past with a lot of what, they, what they've done. Uh, but at the same time, I think they are starting to click, and they're starting to play their best baseball right now so they could be very dangerous and will be very dangerous coming into Russo Park uh, next weekend. It's, you know, Texas state and and the Cajuns have been in the league for so long. They know each other. They know the history. And even though coastal, yes, you know, it's been a while since they've come in the league. I don't think there's still that, that rivalry like you have at Texas state.
1: No, I agree with that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, their pitching hasn't been uh, as good as it was last year because at times last year was really good for them. I mean, they were really good last year. I guess it's just some time hard to follow up on that. And so uh, if the Cajuns can get a sweep in Monroe, which, you know, still has to be done, then uh, that series just becomes humongous in terms of, you know, depending on what happens in Monroe, just getting a decent seed going forward
4: well you have to remember it's also texas state last year their pitching was a lot of senior laden guys that that were in their fifth year their whole team practically was the fifth fifth year guys because of covid so you kind of take last year out of the mix there and i think they, they you know they had the all-conference uh reliever with them as well who was gone so i mean it's it's something you got to be you know, last year was an anomaly. I, I think this is closer to what Texas state, the thing that does surprise me about Texas state is, is they're not hitting the ball as well. And when I say hitting the ball, uh, hitting the ball out of the park, they right. very similar to coastal this year, that's how they were last year.
1: All right. So are, are we going to Monroe or staying here for senior weekend?
4: I am going to Monroe. I'm going to catch softball tonight. And, uh, head up to Monroe in the morning.
1: All right. Enjoy the trip and be safe. We appreciate your time, sir. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it
0: this is footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros are you fluent in footlish not to worry we're here to help with the footlish dictionary the cheaters cheaters the famed hated rival that beat the new orleans saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating also known as the san francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We just have a few minutes left. In our number one on this Thursday, it's a game day. Cajun softball plays tonight, game one of the regular season finale home series senior weekend, and um, it's tonight. Baseball plays ULM in Monroe starting tomorrow, and softball plays them um, this week's kind of like. Um, couple weeks ago LSU softball and baseball was playing Alabama and last week the Cajuns were playing coastal and baseball and softball and this week it's ULM so we'll see how that plays out and I I think I'm going to keep in mind kind of the conversation Craig and I were just having as we move forward because it normally happens at some point In a, in a, at least any kind of a success story season where somebody, whether it's the conference tournament or a relief outing and a key, you know, series late in the year, where a pitcher who hadn't done a whole lot that during the season, if anything at all, kind of steps up out of the blue, you know, and gives you a big four or five innings or, you know has an emergency start and pitches great or the starter gets knocked out early and they come in in a long relief and pitch really well and keep the team in the game and then the team wins it at the end and uh you know one of those stories and I don't you know we mentioned Cash who has kind of come onto the scene late and and didn't play a role hardly at all early um it could be one I'm just not seeing a lot of other candidates like Tommy Ray would be one but he hasn't really given us anything to kind of tease you to he had that one really good outing again was it BYU I, I don't remember really early in the season he had a one really good outing I think it was against BYU but we'd have to look that up but it was it was real early in. He's not had too many really kind of encouraging performances since then. Um, so that that's going to be something to keep an eye on. And so I wonder the beauty of getting a big lead might be for the Cajuns this weekend in Monroe, might be what Craig kind of and I were touching on is to try to get some confidence for, from from a pitcher that can help them down the road that hasn't really been part of their help like they kind of need that uh especially with you know if from here on out that they get nothing from Jake Hammond injury wise and if from here on out they get nothing from Dylan toy which looks that's pretty much done and if, and it looks like they're not going they may not get much if anything from McGeehee. so I mean again, think about it. From the begin when they went into co- from the beginning of the season, that was supposed to be your Friday night starter, your you know, either Saturday or Sunday night starter or Sunday starter and your best relief pitcher. So on paper, they're looking at going into this stretch drive without From the beginning, I know it's that hadn't worked out that way right now, but from the beginning of the season, your top two starters are two of your top three starters and your best relief pitcher. So that, that, you know, that's what you're looking at. And so, you know, it, a lot of people raised their eyebrows when they did that bullpen approach thing for those five games last week. And overall it worked pretty well, to be fair, and it it wasn't a it wasn't totally structured i mean they allowed for flexibility if you pitched great you stayed in if you you know if you didn't pitch great then they you know if you pitched really bad they took you out for the mo- you know here and there but kind of was by necessity when you look at all these injuries that they have to guys there's just you know they don't have a lot of pitching options and then some of the better ones that they had on paper aren't available anymore. So someone's going to have to step up. We'll see who that will be. One hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 706-0111. Now is a good time in the next segment. Those, those are the two times if you would like to get in. Talk about anything going on in the NBA, you know, worried about the Astros or anything else going on in Major League Baseball, comments on all the – we've talked quite a bit of, of college baseball today. Um, any of that you would like to discuss? Now's a good time to do it. you have any lingering thoughts with the Saints or picking up a tight
2: end or any of the
1: NFL we- issues? Certainly. Feel free to call.
2: Yeah, we do have a we have a call in question for you. Okay. Uh, the Braves scored uh, a ton of runs on a ton of hits yesterday, and a Braves fan called, and he's concerned. He wants to know how much time they have before the piper's going to get to him. Well, like, I don't. Do they even play today? Uh,
1: they did score too many runs yesterday. And by the way, how many times? Like, uh, I guess the the seemed like the Braves played the Marlins every day of late. Like, I would. We're not playing teams 19 times anymore, so they must not be playing the Marlins much the second half of the season. But they keep they keep playing the Marlins. They yeah, play the Marlins
2: I, again today. Again? Like,
1: how many times are going to play the Marlins? This is getting out of hand. It was like that year where the Yankees just it seemed like every day they were playing the Orioles when the Orioles were really bad. This was several years ago. It's like, man, how often can they keep playing that team? Speaking of that, go ahead. Speaking of that division – the Red Sox beat the Blue Jays again last night. And, again, it's, um, it's early May. And uh, I tried to remind a friend of mine whose favorite team is not doing well. He said his team is bad. I said it's too early to know who anybody is. Now, again, if you're the Oakland A's, you know who you are. Okay. We kind of know who the Oakland A's are or what they are. And the Royals, oh man, they're off to a miserable start. Just miserable. But uh, mo eighty to ninety percent, probably closer to ninety percent of the teams, we have no idea what they are. I mean, we you know, I mean, we know certain teams are who are normally good are going to be pretty good. But so I don't want to get you know too too ahead of myself on the Red Sox, and I'm the no Red Sox fan, but. I I said I just think that I remember saying prior to the season. Don't be fooled by how bad their roster looks going into opening day, because they had a lot of names that 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 haven't really done anything yet. But um, I think they're going to be better than than most people than their roster looked, and so far they are. And. I mean, Gossman pitches today. I mean, you would think the Blue Jays could avoid a four-game sweep with their ace pitching today, but we'll see. You never know. No, the Red Sox are doing some good things right now. We'll see how long that that lasts. Hello, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Oh,
6: Kevin, you say the Red Sox are doing good things. Who is, who's their best pitcher?
1: Avaldi? Oh well, no, he's with the Rangers now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who is their best pitcher then? Tell me. Probably Pavetta. Uh-huh. Yeah, Nick Pavetta, who who threw about a two-hit shutout against us last year. We we, we barely hit the ball at the infield against him. Uh, if they,
6: if that's their best pitcher. They they're putting it together very well.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Kevin, you know, look, do you ever start to worry about uh, Coach Diggs and his ability to uh, recruit uh, top-notch pitchers because he's – He's well-known as a a great hitting coach and not a a pitching coach.
1: Well, uh, as far as – I mean, I don't know whether to point the finger at him or whatever, but I do think if I'm a Cajun baseball fan, my number one concern right now is they have got to get some starting pitchers in there because, look, they didn't have any last year either. Last year they had to borrow from the bullpen to, to fill out a starting rotation, and it worked. This year, because of injuries and other things, it hasn't worked. They, had, they tried to do the same thing, and it hasn't worked. So, yeah, recruiting um, and, and getting starting pitchers for a guy that could come in and be like two or three years as a legitimate, really stud starter, they need that desperately. Yes, that would be my number one concern right now. Yes. But I, I just think
7: he's
6: facing too much hurdles because when he goes out there to recruit these kids, these kids, look, oh, me you're a great hitting coach. Well, if the kids, a pitcher. Does he want to come to a, a, a coach that he's really known as hitting a, a, a hitting guru and not a pitching uh,
1: guru? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean Johnson is a hitting guru. He doesn't have any history with pitching, and they have arguably the best pitcher in the country. I mean, sometimes you can just get lucky. He's a transfer. I get it, but I don't. I I, I think teams that have expert hitting coaches or offensive minds have good pitchers too. I and I think. T- Man, head coaches who are pitching guys have good hitters. I don't know that that – I don't know that I buy that. I don't know that that's the I problem.
6: Hope. I hope it's not. <laughs> i pray it's not, Kevin. You know, look, I don't want it to be. But, you know, you got to even go look when he was at Sam Houston. You know, when he went to Sam Houston, he went to that Super Regional. I think he had two real good pitchers, and he, he used one a lot, if you remember. And, you know, but that's all he had. But he had hitters, and he has hitters here too. I just hope he can get over the hump because that's all he's going to have to do is just to get, maybe get a, a maybe a different pitching coach. They got a reputation or something. I don't know, but I mean I, that just seems to be the problem year and year year in and year out. I,
1: I think if if Dylan doesn't get hurt, the bullpen would have been okay. That would have been fine this year, but still starting pitching. Uh, you're right. It, it's uh, now look. They went out and got a guy in McGeehee from Ole Miss who they. Who they thought would be a very effective starter, and and he 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 had very small sample size, but he showed he had some good outings that make you see well. I could see what they were seeing, and nezu has been real up and real down, but you've seen him pitch well. With transfer from Florida State, so you could see that working. Um, but no, um, you know, not enough depth there. No question. Okay, I'm
6: going. To, let you go. Going to back to the softball team. I really don't. I know for a fact this team is playing a lot better now than it did at the beginning of the season when they went to that. Uh, when they went to Florida, and when they're going to get in a regional, they're at home or on the road. That's going to be a different team, and I think we might be, we might see better results uh, with the way the team is playing now.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, they're a different team in that Maya wasn't even playing when they went to Florida, and Lauren Allred was still on the bench getting a pinch hit every once in a while. So. Or there and, and even Laney Crater wasn't getting that many at bats and and regularly. And she was mostly a pinch hitter at that point. So there's no question the team is different. They've settled on some defensive positions. Uh for whatever reason, even though she doesn't throw anything like a shortstop, Alexa, it works better with her at shortstop. I, I I totally I mean I was saying move her to second base before he did it, because it seems to make sense, but somehow it just works better with her at short. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. Again, it all comes down to when they're playing in a big game in the regional, when the runner on second and two outs, are they going to get the hit when they're hitting, and are they going to be able to keep the other team from getting that hit when they're pitching? I mean, we again, we we talk for months and months, and it comes down to two or three big two-out situations with runners in scoring position. Do you get it done or not? I mean, that's what it's going to come down to.
6: Well, I I do believe uh, uh, Coach Glasgow says he has bad luck, and I just hope uh, Lady Luck throws him a bone and he gets some good fortune because the man really has had a lot of bad luck since he's been here, especially with that team when COVID hit and how good that team was. Maybe Lady Luck's going to help him out this time. You have a good day.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I remember um, a player hitting, was it Julie, hit a ball that would have been over the fence at Ole Miss, and the center fielder for Ole Miss jumped up and robbed her of a homer and – um that might very well and and two really awful calls at third base might have cost them that regional title at Ole Miss and Oxford uh, a couple of years ago so yeah they've had some 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 bad breaks along the way no question so um we'll see uh it's obviously very important that they win a regional this year. And so I understand why so many people want to host a regional. I just, again, I, if it's 14, 15 or 16, I don't want any part of, it. I, I just, I, I, and I'm not saying that anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. I, you know, we, we joke, Stevie P has said for years, you know, it's not an opinion; it's a fact. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. I, I don't, I wouldn't put this debate under that category. Uh, when you haven't won a regional in a, quite a few years now, you say, "Well, I want to win a regional." Okay, that's fair. I, I mean, I, I get it. Um, but I still think, as much as Coach Glasgow wants to win a region. He also, his goal is to, is to end his season in Oklahoma City. And the best way to do that is not to be a 14, 15, or 16 seed. That is just a recipe for not getting to Oklahoma City. And so not saying it's absolutely impossible, but it's, you know, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball if, you, if you're if you a 14, 15, or 16 seat, So hopefully that doesn't happen because, again, a lot of people will be happy if they get that because the, the committee quote-unquote respected what they did, and I'm going to be – I'm going to say that's a cop-out by the committee by doing that because they're just covering themselves to make it look good, but they're really not making it look good. I just think that's – I'm not going to be impressed with that at all. But we'll see. Again, we, we're we're doing a we're making a lot of statements on this side of the fence without really knowing what's going on. I I still wonder if what that it if whether if their strength of schedule is two or three. That's got to mean something because it's never been that high before ever. And so I, I just. I just wonder if that's going to make a difference that none of us are factoring in. I don't know. It's um, we'll, we'll find out. Well, it's going to be that it's going to be interesting when that when that when that comes out. Of course, they still have to get it done this weekend, and they still have you know, if they want to do any of that, they probably need to win the conference tournament, and so they still got to get that accomplished. And like he's like we talked about earlier, it's single elimination this year, so. You know, if you don't think they can get beat in a game, then, you know, that's just foolish. I mean, of course they can get beat. You know, like like he brought up yesterday when we talked to Coach Glasgow, App beat him. Speaking of App, Monroe went to App and beat him two out of two. How did the Cajuns do against App? Not too good at home. I don't like hearing all that 35 talk. We'll take a timeout and be back. Stay tuned.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foot is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No seriously.
1: After that is 2013 which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88 they finished 10-6. and six, Tied for first place in the division. Did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver, who absolutely cheated uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return
0: to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Once again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, discuss any of the subjects that we have done today or discussed today, certainly feel free to do it uh, after the next time out. We will be talking Kentucky Derby. It is in just a few days. And so um, lots of discuss there with Mr. Tom and some big issues going on in the horse racing industry. And so... Looking forward to that conversation, to seeing what he what he has to say. So, Dawson, how would you? What would be your answers to the question that I asked Stevie P. Now that we're about a you know a week away from the draft, and you've probably watched highlights and heard commentary and thought about it yourself and read some stuff, which of the Saints' draft picks do you feel better about than you did when they drafted him, and which one do you feel worse about?
2: Maybe better about Foskey. Um, I actually feel a little worse about Brzee. Not that the Saints took him, but just going back and hearing um, some more comments from some more people that a lot of NFL teams, and it was from sources that you'd trust, that a lot of NFL teams didn't have a ton of first-round grades on this overall class. That a lot of teams felt like there was maybe 15 to 18 first-round draft pick grades that they had, which is an extremely low number, even for a bad year in the draft. Um, So that just makes me think, and it's okay, and I don't think it's a knock on the Saints, but I just think guys like Brzee and Foskey and those guys picked in that range aren't typical first-round talent. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to be good players, but I just think it might mean the ceilings are a little lower than maybe we would would hope in a year where you're picking twice in that region.
1: Yeah, I mean, in other words, they got two second-round picks at 29 and 40, but we kind of knew that going in. Kind of, yeah, yeah. we kind of did. So you would say that you feel worse about Brzee. Who do you and, and you feel I like
2: Well, I, I didn't know as much about Foskey going in. I hadn't seen as much, and I went back and watched a lot of stuff, and I'm, I, I think I'm pretty intrigued by his skill set. So that's why I would say uh, it's still I still don't think it's tremendous value. I think A.T. Perry's the best value. He might have been the best value in the draft. Now, again, that doesn't mean he's Marcus Colson, and that doesn't mean he's going to have a productive NFL career. Um, but I think every every trait and skill you want is there. The drop issues, look, Jamar Chase had drop concerns going in the league. It worked out fine for him. So, like, I, I just think A.T. Perry has an opportunity to be a great player. I do wonder, it's funny, like, it's the opposite. He's a six-round pick, but yet it feels like Saints fans are trying to put all this pressure on him to be a great player. And I guess the Troutman trait's part of that. Now, I don't think he's necessarily going to feel that pressure, and the organization's not going to put it on him. But I just think there's so much potential for a guy that you got in the six round.
1: I'm I'm very intrigued by the fact that you threw out the name Marquise Coulson because I had not heard this until I was listening um to RP three talk to Les. And Les said that there was some sort of was it Les? I think I'm thinking right. Some yeah. sort of character issue
2: which like, he, I, I had not heard that He before. mentioned that that was what, that was, I guess, A.T. Perry was asked, like, what's, do you know why you fell? And he said that his agent had told him that that was what they had heard, but they didn't know what they were really talking about. They didn't really have a reason. And that the Saints, supposedly, when they were asked, didn't really have any idea what they were talking about either. So I guess, again, like, when guys drop, there's going to be a reason attached to it. So maybe somebody threw that out there, but it doesn't sound like anybody around the Saints knew what they were talking about.
1: Well that leads me in my little mind to a nickname. That might have secured a nickname for a. T. Perry because when Marcus Coaston was drafted in 20 oh, in 2006, part of the reason why supposedly he lasted to the seventh round, was that their coaches, his college coaches, for whatever reason, did, was, I don't know, saying not talking him up or saying that he had some character issues or something like, you know, there was that underlying behind the scenes storyline with his coaches kind of not really talking him up very much to scouts when Colston came out of Hofstra. Um now, Wake Forest is obviously a power five school. It's a little different than Harsher, but they're both on the East Coast. They're both about 6'3", and uh, they both dropped to late in the draft, maybe because of some fault. I mean, Colston, he was the opposite of a character issue. Like, he was like, so I don't know. We might have, uh, after hearing that, my mind, my mind worked right away. Man, that sounds familiar. Might, might have a new nickname here. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
7: Hey, a couple days to ponder this, man. I, I, the more I ponder it, the less happy I am, but I'll preface that with saying grading drafts and analyzing picks is about a, as futile an exercise as you got. You got to get the guys on the field and see what they do, and in three years we'll tell you how good a draft this was, but that being said, I don't know if it's good or bad that the two guys you're most excited about are your fifth and sixth round picks.
1: Well, the two guys I'm the most, I'm the least excited about are the ones that more people are excited. Perry and and Miller are the ones that I, you know, I'm really worried about. Um oh. the other ones I feel pretty good about, other than obviously the quarterback, which talk to me in three years. We'll worry about that three years from now
7: and I had no problem with that pick, you know, a fourth round pick on a, on a developmental quarterback. You just, I mean, again, Carr is basically on a two-year deal, even though he's got a four-year contract, it's a two-year deal. And if he plays well, then they keep the other two years. If he doesn't, then you reevaluate and you possibly move on. But again, I, I that is actually the second and the third round picks. I'm not as high on Foskey as, Other people apparently seem to be Uh, just everything I read says you know he he set the sack code record at Notre Dame, but they said he never really played up to his athletic ability, and I mean he was steady workman like, but I mean I had uh, I'm looking at a lot of grades where he's in the 70s and 80s, Kevin, and we picked them in the 30s. Now again, that means nothing. uh, and, And you made a great point the other day we got a bunch of captains we got a bunch of character guys which is really cool when he was a captain and character guy but imagine this draft and per se we're gonna have to find out that was just we needed that position he was the guy they had the rank the highest and they took him but you take osiris at guard in the second round you you pass on miller you could either had hyatt or washington in the third round and then the Bore in the fourth round. Imagine that draft: say Osiris, Washington, or Hyatt, and bore We're sitting here doing cartwheels, saying we had the best draft of anybody. And they took the now Saldivar. Supposedly, I was reading an article from a New England beat writer, and the the Patriots were pretty interested in him. And the Saints traded up ahead of them and grabbed them. So that would that would explain.
1: I, I'm pretty I'm, next, pretty. I'm pretty. I I I think. I mean, if you ask me to predict right now, I'm going to say he's the best pick in the draft. Like it's just a pure <laughs> projection. Like seven years from now, I I, I think we're going to look back and say that, that he was the best pick of the draft. That's what. Which that's one? what my Sal- expectation Da-Vary? is. Yes. Yes.
7: Okay. Yeah. But I mean, would you rather have Osiris or Saldivar?
1: Well, Osiris I'd rather have Saldiveri in the fourth the- round than Osiris in the first round. Maybe not Osiris in no, the second I, round.
7: Osiris was sitting there in the second round.
1: Well, I know, but and
7: again, time will tell. I just think one is more of a sure thing, and 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 I believe the New England thing because their next two picks were basically a center and a guard. Uh, so I think the Saints did jump them and grab the guy that apparently secretly a lot of look teams a, lot were really of people, high on. a lot of
1: people a lot of people. Passed on Osiris, so there has to be something yeah. that a lot of people didn't like. Other than maybe he he plays guard. I get that. You know, a lot of people don't like to pick guards in the first two rounds. They like to pick the guards guy, later. But he dropped the guy a didn't long give way.
7: Back in four years of college football, and I've seen a lot of people saying the steal of the draft was Buffalo getting him in the late in the second round. So, and time will tell. Yeah, and guards. Again, we may have a fourth-rounder that does it. I don't I'm not, Miller is another one and I get Miller beat out Evans who was this five-star recruit coming out of high school and Miller still went to TCU and actually beat him out and ran Evans off to Ole Miss. So I think the guy can play. I just I would personally have preferred Spears from Tulane than Miller. I think he's more versatile. And I think he has more uh, upside than look, Miller.
1: Look, j- like I've said, 5 years from now if Spears better be good, because I'm sick of hearing his name already. So he better be really good, or y'all all better call five years from now and say y'all were wrong on him. Well, and I'll add That in guy, this. guy better well, be Miller, good. Miller better be good, too, then. Well, I don't think Miller's going to be that good. Him. I'm worried about Miller. I'll add in so, another thing. Uh, on- he
7: had, I, I'm trying to figure out his, his biggest knock is he's not a good short yardage back, and he can't. He can't topple is the word they were saying. Defenders went out, but the guy had seventeen touchdowns. So I'm like, how do those two correlate? How do you get seventeen uh, touchdowns yeah, I and don't... you're not a good scorer? Well, it's college fact, football. I can't, I mean, I don't. That's that's a weird piece of the puzzle. I just again it's it's really silly of us to one, act like we know more than the Saints Scouting people. Two, they definitely have a type. And this was a draft and you said this also the other day. They had needs, and normally they're BPA guys, and this time they seem to draft need, 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 need. Value be damned. We need a guy here. We draft him. We need a guy here. We picked him. So I get it. I could have just looking at who was picked, and nobody knew Adebori would fall to the fourth round. So it's easy to look back and say we could have had our defensive end in the fourth round. But I can I can piece together a draft after the fact with players that were there when we picked. Uh, and uh, make it look great on paper, at least. I just
1: and Ruben Foster looked great on paper on draft day too.
7: Yeah, look, it's again. I, I like the from Minnesota. Uh, I I preferred the kid from Texas A and M, but he's more of a pure. He's an old school safety. You don't see run stoppers anymore. All these safeties now have to be nickel and slot guys. Right,
1: and right, so and that and that's what they and that's what they got. So I got to take a break. I got to get to it.
0: No sweat. Love this stuff, brother. Take care. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. All right, it's time to shift gears to the Kentucky Derby with our friend, Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. All right, so before we get to the actual race, obviously there was some big news, not good news, coming out in the horse racing industry. Yeah. And, again, I don't want to over-alarm, be too alarming about it, but I'm I'm, I'm asking someone who knows way more about the horse racing industry, what was your reaction to what seemed like shocking news that quite a few horses died there this week?
5: Well, I I just harkened back to Santa Anita a couple of years ago. And they had to shut the track down because they had a number of fatalities. Here's the here's the real problem, Kevin. You have got horses that are very young for the most part. They're through two, three, and four years old. They're not fully developed. And things happen. You know, they're running on very spindly legs and things happen with horses and they break down a lot. And the fact is that this the light's shining on Kentucky Derby week on Churchill, so it looks bad. But this happens a lot in racing that you don't hear about breakdowns that have to be destroyed the one that i saw on the track was pretty bad and you know i'll, I'll leave it at that uh wild on ice uh, won't be in the derby and won't be with us anymore because of a breakdown and that's really bad for racing but again it's not unusual
1: all right so how do you determine or draw the line or define what's well, it's just something that happens, like injuries happen in sports kind of thing, and to where there's some sort of negligence involved. Like, wh- wh- where's well, that area?
5: No, there's no negligence with these trainers. There's too much money involved, Kevin. It's not negligence so much. It's just that horses just don't recover like humans. If they break a cannon bone, they can't, they can't stand, they can't get off their feet. You know what I mean? And, and it's hard. Look, is a perfect example. 18 years ago when Barbaro broke down and he had a million fans, you know, they wanted to fix him and all that. And they did, but he just couldn't stand. And you can't be held in a sling all the time for a horse. They have to get on their feet or they're going to die. And so either way, it's a bad situation. But compared to humans is not, there's no comparison. Human beings can recover from a whole bunch of injuries that horses can't recover from. Too much money involved for for negligence to be involved.
1: All right. So when you saw the post positions for earlier this week, what were your one or two first reactions?
5: Everybody got what they wanted. (laughs) I mean, pretty much I didn't see anything in there that really was out of sight. Hit Show got one. He's not going to win. 19 and 20 were Lord Miles and Tontenor, They're not going to win. So it really wasn't a big deal.
1: So all that matters in your mind is that you're not one, or you're not one of the ones on the on the total outside. Yeah,
5: 19 and, and 20. I don't really want to be there. A good horse probably could win from those, but those three horses that are in those post positions really shouldn't win this race.
1: So, are there? So, is everything else equal? Or are there some slight advantages as oh, far yeah. as one of the favorites over our post positions compared to one of the other two or three favorites?
5: Yeah, I think the biggest problem will come from maybe number five, Tapper Trice, who I think is the best choice of the race. Uh, he's not going to break on top, but there's a lot of speed on the inside. So, he should be able to find a trip. And, and this is the key thing, Kevin, in horse racing, and particularly in the Kentucky Derby. These are good jockeys. You've got 20 pros out there. What their job is, is to get their horse to a position on the track where the horse will run. And I've said that before a hundred times. It's not easy because sometimes you have to get around horses or you, or you have to do certain things with your horse. But if if the winner of this derby will probably find a perfect spot for the horse and will race the horse all the way around. Look at Rich Strike last year. Dead last. But look at him run. He ran into a bunch of horses and around a bunch of horses, and everything worked out perfect. But had one horse moved a little bit, and he had to stop that horse he wouldn't have won. So that's the key to the race. Put them in a position that they can win from.
1: That's the key. All right, so the betting favorite oh. is still Forte, right? What's that? Forte is still the betting favorite, correct?
5: Yeah, he's the betting favorite and he should win this race. But then again, you know, it's 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 one of those positions where you say, Boy, he's gonna get five to one maybe or something like that. If he gets five to one he has to be bet. If he's three to one like he is now, he's being bet too much. So I I, I I'm not sure of him being a winner that's i'm not sure last year i thought epicenter was the best horse well epicenter got passed by an 80 to 1 horse again the closer and uh you can't do anything about that
1: all right you know me i'm i I don't know i don't know all the technicals and and uh you know i didn't i don't follow this stuff like you i just look at names angel empire great name (laughs) Practical like move, it? great name, and they're both kind of in the top five or six. So, of those two, which one should I should I pick? Tell me about those well, two.
5: Well, both of them, I pick seventh and eighth, and as far as the running, uh, Angel of Empire must get a perfect trip like Rich Strike. He must get that. If he doesn't get that with Flavian Pratt, he's not going to win this race. He's got to find a spot to be in that he can get to the lead. And it's going to be difficult because he doesn't like to run close to the leaf. And that's hard and practical move. Well, I was high on him for a long, long time, but the more I look and the more I hear, I'm wondering whether he can make that last for that last 220 yards. I may be per- perfectly wrong. I may be wrong on this, but I don't think he can win. And I think angel of empire can win, but he's got to get the perfect trip. He's got to get the rich strike. That was last year. Those two. That's, I've had them seventh and eighth right now.
1: All right, so kings is another one I heard about early, but not hearing as much. Well, what's the deal with that one? I think he's just too slow, you know, to be honest with you. He's three for three. You can't knock a horse at three for three.
5: But I believe that his pace, the way he ran in the Louisiana Derby, was not fast. And I think that he'll get, he'll get in a congested bunch of horses. I think that's what will happen. And he won't be able to run his race. That's what I think will happen. Again, I don't know any more than anybody I knew about the draft last week. That's about where it comes down to.
1: All right. Especially so you, you you mentioned jockey. So is there a jockey that kind of, like, like if you were trying to like, like that you think could really make the difference because of the horse he's yeah. on? Like, what, what jockey could really make the difference here? Let me tell you right now,
5: this, this I call a guilty pleasure. You know what a guilty pleasure is, Kevin? Yes, sir. Okay, this is a guilty pleasure. The horse is number seven. He's called reincarnate. He's 40 to 1. When you talk about jockeys, you talk about Johnny Velasquez these days.
6: He is the
5: consummate pro. He's also head of the Jockey Guild. He does a whole bunch of other things. But Johnny Velasquez has the best hands and the best balance. Of any jockey since Angel Cordero. And that is a definite plus. He's on a horse that has to be close to the lead. Called Reincarnate. He's a seven horse. Has to be close to the lead. If he gets his horse in a position. He's a former Bob Baffert horse. If he gets his horse in position. He can run just like Medina Spirit did two years ago. In other words, close to the lead. And then try to run a little bit further. And that's the key. If he does that, he will be in good position. He's a good magic out of Thurlan, a Thurlan grandfather. He's a guilty pleasure, and I cannot explain it except for the jockey. That's it. That's all I can say.
1: All right. So it sounds like you are high on Tap It Thrice. Uh, Give me the, besides the, the jockey guilty pleasure, what other long shot do you think people ought to consider?
5: Oh, definitely Skinner. He looks a lot like uh, like Rich Strike last year. Skinner comes out of the Santa Anita Derby where he had to run an extra 100 yards than the rest of the horses. He was way on the outside, terrible trip, and still almost won the race. Then he got in like Rich Strike, and the also eligibles when Wild on Ice went down and had to be destroyed. So Skinner got in. He looks a lot like Rich Strike. If he gets a trip, He's a, he's the same trainer as trained Giacomo nineteen years ago. Huh. He's the first one. The six horse is disarmed. The eleven horse disarmed is a Steve Asmussen horse with a Joel Rosario riding. This horse, all he had to do in the Lexington was get six points to get in, and that's what he did. And so so everybody said, Oh, he ran so spoiled. No. It was a tactical race. He needed six points. This horse has a lot of leaks. He can run, but Steve Asmussen has never won a Derby. This man has won more races in the history of the U.S. racing than anybody else, but he hasn't won a Derby. So, uh, number nine, number 11, those two, they can get there. But they're going to have to make a trip. They're going to be off the pace.
1: All right, sir. Well, I know you're going to be fired up. I'm sure um, on uh, tomorrow because you know, guy. People like me just watch the Derby, but people like you are into the whole Derby weekend,
5: right? And I will say on Friday afternoon, I will also put this: the horse number 11, or uh, defining purpose, and the horse number 14, pretty mischievous. They won't be the favorites. But I'll be making win. they will be win best
1: on
5: that one. Those two. Oh, Wet Paint will be the favorite. That'll be, that should be your favorite name right there, Wet Paint.
1: All right. So I don't know. I you didn't. You didn't. Have, I guess I'm gonna have to go Angel of Empire because you don't seem too high on practical moves. So I, Angel of Empire, I think is going to have to be my, my the horse I'm going to be rooting for. We'll see what happens.
5: Well, I'll be pulling for you, Kevin.
1: All, all right. Thank you for your time, <laughs> sir.
0: Uh right, thanks for having me on, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Trying to figure out probably where I'm gonna be. The Cajun softball game will probably will have ended probably within about an hour. Probably gonna be writing my softball story. I'm to try to figure out how to where I can watch the derby, even though I'm gonna be working. It. I have to check on the time and all that. Um, I mean, I normally try to watch if I can. It's fun. So hopefully I can. I'm uh I guess I'll be pulling for Angel of Empire. I, I just I don't know. There just seems to be some names just have a classiness about them like they just sound like Derby winner kind of. And then some of these other names like that don't sound like a, that I can't I can't be a Derby winner. So I just never never pick those. It's um I don't know. It's just fun you know other than the favorite like to me that's boring. Now, if I'm putting a lot of money on it, then that's a whole different – that's a fine – but in terms of just picking a winner just to see if you get it right, like, you know, I never picked a favorite. And so um, it's always fun to have kind of, as they say, a dog in the fight where you where you pick them and follow them through the race and hope they win, and we'll see what happens there, obviously. Um, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you'll be pulling for LSU or the Cajuns or whoever your favorite team is in softball – you know LSU's finishing up their weekend uh, against Georgia, and the and the Cajuns are playing ULM. So a lot of people be focused on that, but I'm sure we'll. Um, and you you just hope there's no more bad news because you know we didn't talk a lot about it this week, but it you know they just had multiple horses died, and so it was it's it's an awful thing. And it is true that like if you break your leg as an athlete or your arm then it's bad, but, or even blow out your knee, you can come back. Horses, like Mr. Tom was saying, totally different situation. So, um, not, not, not good there. So, um, so tomorrow when we get back, we will, uh, well, the plan anyway is the Cajuns will have wrapped up another Sun Belt Conference Championship. That's the plan, you know, would be to win the, 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 this first game and, you know, I did a feature story on on Kendra Lamb that was in Today's Advocate and online at theadvocate.com, and one of the things she commented on, oh, our history on senior weekend against ULM is not too good because they lost that one game two years ago. But, again, that that's kind of a good thing because they're they're going into this series with that in their minds, at least – you know, someone like Andrew's been around here for for that long. Like the freshmen, you know, they I'm sure they've heard about it from Coach Glasgow and you know, and the and the girls who were here two years ago. But like, if you're a freshman, it may not mean a whole lot to you. But um, they at least have that mindset going in, and and I'm sure the Cajun on the baseball side, the coaches are gonna make sure that their their players understand it. But again, you know, sometime we have this idea that these players don't overlook teams. But it happens. We get evidence of that all the time. I mean, even like in the NBA, the Boston Celtics admitted up there like we we weren't really we didn't have a lot of energy. What? You're playing one of your biggest rivals. In a conference semifinal, and you came out for game one at home, and you just, oh, well, we just didn't have a lot of energy. And what that told me is, well, the MVP's not playing, so we're going to win. I mean, I mean, that stuff happens at all levels. Like, teams overlook teams all the time. And it's just, it constantly amazes me. And I, I, I think it's just... I guess it's human nature to just overlook people because, I don't know, they're missing players or their record isn't good. Or a lot of times if you've had a lot of success against a team, then you say, oh, we we, we beat that team. We're, we're going to beat them. Or you beat them the last time you play them. sometime. that's all the extension span people have. But again, it's not just. It doesn't just happen in high school, which happens quite a bit. It doesn't just happen in college, and I think it happens quite. It happens in in the postseason of profession. You're getting paid. You should know that these other teams, this other team, has good players, and yet they overlook people all the time. It's unbelievable. We'll see uh, if the Cajuns can avoid that. Appreciate. The phone calls and the the guest, you all have a nice day.